Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ladies Switch. I'm Valkyrie Baines, and I'm joined by my colleague in South Africa, Fidos Munda, who herself was recently joined by a guest from South Africa, but who's here in England. Yep, we truly are a global franchise here. Um, Fidos, before we have a listen, and without too many spoilers, uh, tell us about your interview with Nadine de Klerk. She's the South African all-rounder who's been tearing it up on the regional circuit here in England. What did you guys talk about? Yeah, we had a really nice wide-ranging conversation, which started out talking about her record-breaking seven fur over there in England. And she told me a couple of interesting details about how she celebrated some of those wickets, including the one of her countrymen, countrywoman, Chloe Tryon. So that was really cool. She's also the leading wicket-taker in the Charlotte Edwards Cup, and she's gaining a lot of really valuable playing experience, not just in terms of the quality of players that she's getting to compete against, but also in terms of the rigor of the schedule. So, you know, often we get players from South Africa and even from other parts of the Southern Hemisphere who come over to England and and will say that one of the things they really enjoy is getting to play so much cricket because it teaches them so much about discipline, so much about you know, how often they need to train, how they need to manage themselves. And that's the kind of thing that uh, Nadine's really been getting into. Of course, we had to speak a little bit about the the T20 World Cup because uh, South Africa haven't played since then, really, and still basking in the glory of that. We've got the Netball World Cup coming up in just over a month's time. So really a celebration of women's sport in this country this year. And then we chatted a, a little bit about upcoming cricket, about upcoming women's cricket, what Nadine's got planned, and of course, also what's happening in England, because there's some pretty big cricket going on there. So yeah, very wide ranging and, and really interesting, I hope. Sounds great. Should we have a listen? Nadine, you are playing in England at the moment, not just playing, but uh, tearing up the record books over there, taking the best figures in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy seven. 33 against the Diamonds. Tell us a little bit about your experience of playing over there, you know, playing in a domestic competition, which is professional, unlike what we have at home in South Africa, and then also just uh, taking all those wickets. Yeah, look, it's it's been really special so far. I think, um, first of all, just really grateful for the opportunity to play for the Blaze. Um, I think it's a really great opportunity to showcase your skills and and just get better as a cricketer. So that's been really welcoming. It's a great bunch of goals and I've really enjoyed my time so far. But um, yeah, I didn't expect to uh, take a seven fit, to be honest. Um, It doesn't happen every day. But yeah, it's like I said, the team has been really great and and they've been really supportive as well. So I think it just makes my job so much easier on the field. Um, I can just really go out there and back myself and, and enjoy it as much as I possibly can. So... Yeah, it's been a, a pretty great start for the Blaze in general. I think the team, we've, we've been unbeaten this far. So, yeah, we've we've played some really good cricket and I'm just glad that I can contribute to the team. Yeah, and what's the experience of playing domestic cricket in England like compared to maybe playing at home in South Africa? Are there any major things that you can look at and say, wow, that's that's really different? Yeah, look, I think, you know, it's really professional. I think you've mentioned it. We're back home. We don't we don't really have professional stuff back home in the domestic circuit. We're here. It's really professional. Um, the way that the team goes about the business, I just think it's really, you can see that it is, it's well organized. It's the, the players, first of all, it's, re- it's really a talented group of players. Um, just a competition between between the teams, uh, there's a lot of international players as well, a lot of England girls um, in and around the 
domestic circuit, which, which always makes it a bit more competitive because you have your internationals. There's a few overseas signings as well, which, which makes it even better. But the cricket has just been great. I think the standard has been really good. Um, competition has been healthy. And hopefully we can get something similar in South Africa. It's definitely, I, I think, coming here as an international player um, into a domestic setup like this, is, it's actually been really challenging. Um, it wasn't just get over here and, and you, you kind of just bowl and just bat. And you kind of have to, we do a lot of planning. We have a lot of meetings behind the scenes, a lot of session, net sessions. Um, against specific players for what we're going to get in the games, uh, which is really important. And I think it's South Africa can definitely take note and hopefully, like I said, we can get something similar going back home. Yeah, and in terms of the challenge on, on the body, I mean, a lot of the South African men's players say when they go over to the county circuit and they're playing every second or third day, it's really difficult physically. Have you, have you found that as well? Are you playing more and are you having to do more conditioning? Yeah, look, I think obviously it's a lot of cricket back to back, especially like we've had a couple of days where we play on Thursday and Friday, and then now again on Friday and on Sunday. So the turnaround is really quick. Um, but I do think, like, luckily, I think um, our body, that's why we do a lot of conditioning stuff throughout the season, which is which has been really great. Um, you do get a little bit more tired towards the back end of the competition. Uh, obviously, I think more from a mental side as well, you know. You have to prepare all the time mentally, stay on top of your game. It's not always going to happen when you take seven fizz and it's not always going to happen when you score 50s. And it's about how do you maintain the best physical and and obviously mentally standard that you can. I think that becomes a bit a bit harder throughout the season. It does become a little bit more taxing on your body. You, you do struggle a little bit more to get out of bed in the morning, knowing that you have to go bowl in a 50 over 10 overs and, and stand in the field for three hours or whatever. Um, but so far, my body has been has been okay. Um, I think I've, I've dealt with it pretty well. Um, I think our recovery and stuff has been pretty good. And, and like I said, the players has been looking after us really well, uh, you know, from a physical point of view. And I think mentally, you just try and switch off whenever you do get the chance. So, yeah, it's 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 tight and it's tough and it's quick turnarounds. But but I think we've we've been handling it pretty well this far. Yeah, and as you say, you don't take a seven for every day, but you did take one. And in amongst those was uh, Chloe Tryon, who you just missed for a duck. So uh, was that your favourite wicket or, or what do you remember from, from bowling and, and who were you really happy to get out? Yeah, look, I think, first of all, my first wicket was Lauren Winfield and, and she's been absolutely smashing it before that game. So I was pretty chuffed about that wicket. But I think when I got Chloe out, um, she came of a, of a 60 out of 30 balls or something ridiculous in her first game. So... Uh, we we were well aware that that she was quite a big wicket to to get. Um, but yeah, I think obviously with my celebration, everybody was like, "Oh well, that that looks quite, quite interesting." And I was just like, I was just super pumped up. Um, but yeah, I was always, you know, Chloe can do some real damage, especially towards the back end. And and we knew we wanted to beat them. We've never beaten them before, so we were all out to to beat the Northern Diamonds in that game. And to get out first ball, I kind of just knew in the back of my back of my head that you know that's really going to help our, our team because uh, she's not going to absolutely bomb sixes at the back end of the evening. So Lauren Renfield must have been my favourite, but I, I, Chloe was definitely a massive scalp, and I've seen her hit some bombs. So it was just really good to get out before she could do any damage. And what did you do in celebration? We didn't get to see it here in South Africa. Uh, I was basically Imran Tahir all around, almost all around the field. I was literally. Just running and my teammates tried to catch up with me. I was just sprinting off because I got so 
<laughs> I got so excited. So, um, yeah, I think a few of them had a few extra steps on the GPS units because they had to chase me quite a long way after that we could. <laughs> nice one. Um, and, and Nadine, we've spoken quite a lot about your bowling, but I guess, I mean, part of your role is also going to be to to step into that all-rounder position. Are you learning a lot batting-wise? Uh, what, what kinds of improvements are you making to your game over there that you think you can bring back to South Africa? Yeah, I think, I think um, obviously, being a lot, a lot more calmer, I want to say, and, and be patient and really backing my skills. Um, our team has been really good with, with, you know, backing the players in the sense of they always tell us just to take the positive options, um, good scoring shots as well. And I think I've tried to be really positive. Um, I think really solid in the 50-over format as well, really trying to tighten up my defence and, and really just hit the ball hard into the gaps and, and things like that. But I think in the past, I've, I've maybe been a little bit frantic and when I didn't get off the mark or when my strike rate was a bit lower, I would normally try something different and would get out where I felt like this time around, um, I've been a lot more calmer and I think that comes just from the environment of the Blades as well where they really back us and they really just want us to play our games. Obviously, ideally, I would have liked to score a few more runs. Um, I think especially going into the T20 block, I haven't quite settled in as yet. I think um, hopefully, especially in the T20 format, um, you know, moving on towards the back end of the competition, I can I can really find my feet and, and really figure out what I need to do. So I think that's still a work in progress at the moment. I think 50 overs went quite well. Um, I kind of feel like, I did what I needed to do in the game situation, but I think I just need to adapt a little bit quicker to the T20s at this moment. Uh, obviously, batting a bit lower down the order, um, I just need to up my game a little bit at the moment. So hopefully I can figure that out soon. And like I said, we're moving towards the back end of the comp. So I would like to eat my straps, hopefully in the next couple of games. Yeah, so we're talking about T20 cricket. And I mean, we can't not talk about the phenomenal run that South Africa had at a home World Cup. You You were part of that. And uh, we saw some incredible things through those. It was a quick tournament, you know, 16 days, but it, it felt really significant and some really big milestones there. How would you sum up the experience, first of all? It's, it's difficult to sum it up, to be honest. Like, it's, it's a whole mouthful. Um, it's probably one of the best. I've, I've been a part of two or three World Cups before, and obviously I assume because it was back home, it, it was definitely the most special one I've ever been a part of. But playing in front of home crowd, first of all, losing the first game to Sri Lanka and people kind of writing us off and thinking like, what on earth are you doing? Just stop. Just quit. <laughs> Don't even participate. <laughs> to going on and playing in that final and beating England, who are obviously at that moment a, a team to beat. They, I mean, we played them six, five, six months before the World Cup and they absolutely hammered us. So to turn around, first of all, from all the chaos that went around, selection and all the stuff that went on, um, dealing with load shedding and facilities and all those things back home, to walking out onto that, losing against Sri Lanka and turning it around was was really special. And it's definitely been, I can talk about the World Cup for hours and hours and years and years to come. It's been absolutely amazing. And um, I'm so happy and so glad it, it, it happened in South Africa. We had our families there and the crowds was really good. Um, I've never seen a crowd like that in South Africa for a women's game before. The noise, I had goosebumps all the time. I just couldn't stop smiling and it was just phenomenal. So, yeah, it was really special. I think to play in a final was just the cherry on top of the cake. Yeah, and I mean, not just team noise, 
But uh, personally, I believe that you, you had quite a bit going on. Um, are you able to share what happened kind of before the, the knockout rounds and, and how that maybe affected you personally? Yeah, look, um, yeah, we obviously had um, quite a big loss in our family, um, which was really hard at that stage. Um, it was quite unexpected as well. So, you know, we were all kind of in a very good space as a family and, and personally as well from being in that World Cup and kind of feeling like you're on top of the world at that stage. And, and we've been going really well as a side. That's just when we kind of figured our stuff out and, and we started winning games of cricket and we played really well, gelled well as a side. And and like I said, obviously a massive part of my, of my life at that, well, not at that, for basically my whole life, it's, it's been a massive part of my life with my with my granny. So, um, it just kind of chucked me off my boat completely. To be honest, um, I felt like I I didn't actually give a damn about the cricket. To be honest, and I think that contributed a bit to my performance in the semi final because I couldn't, I just didn't care. And it sounds very strange when I say like this, and people will probably think, "Am I mad or something?" But that's just how I felt at the moment because I was like, you know, we were doing so well and, and my granny was such a massive supporter of cricket. She loved cricket. She was always on the phone, you know, she always cheered us on and, and she wasn't there to experience all of that. We made the semifinals and, and then we made the finals and CSA decided to fly one family member down and my grandfather came down and to watch the final and, and she wasn't there and it was obviously devastating to see him there without her. So, but again, it's it's one of those moments, life throws you curveballs at times and it's about how do you deal with those stuff? I couldn't change it. So it was pointless for me to pull out of the World Cup and go sit in a corner and cry about it because it's not going to change. It's not going to bring her back. So I decided to just do it for her. Um, she would have been so proud and I know she is. Like I said, she was a massive fan of cricket. She absolutely loved it and she couldn't wait you know, to send a message about the cricket and stuff. So I decided to take the other route and, and do it for her. And obviously very emotional. It was really hard for me to get out on the cricket field. A lot of tears and a lot of emotions. But I kind of think that the fact that we ended up in the final, um, again, just made it a little bit better. Uh, um, you can't compare cricket with family. At the end of the day, there's, there's no decision to make. We all know that family comes first and... And the people that you love comes first. But I just think the fact that we did so well, um, it just made me really proud because I knew that, yeah, that she would just be really proud of, of what we achieved, especially because no one expected us to do it. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was, still, it's still hard. It, it never gets better. But like I said, we, we get stronger every day and, and we keep going and, and we keep doing the things that we love to do. So we just move forward all the time. So the Women's Ashes is on our doorstep. And I guess for me as a South African and maybe for you as well, as much as I'm interested in it, I also feel like, oh, I wish we had something that we could, you know, hype up to this level and, and look forward to to this degree. Uh, first of all, how do you feel about it? Secondly, who do you think is going to win? And thirdly, do you feel like, oh, I wish I could play in it? Yeah, look, I would love for something like that. Like, I... I... <laughs> I wish, I wish, oh, I hope that there's a lot of people listening to this and I, I can't echo it enough how much I hope something like this happens in South Africa. It is going to take women's cricket in South Africa to another level. It's a guarantee. So 
I really hope, even if, like, Test cricket in general, I would love for, for Test cricket to be more regular in the women or in South Africa. But just the competition so that we can play cricket throughout the year. I think it's just going to be amazing for the women's game in South Africa. It's going to be amazing for, for girls that maybe 10, 11, 12 years old now. In the next couple of years, they can play in a similar to the SA20. Or it's just going to change the name of the game, in my personal opinion. But, yeah, I think the Ashes is going to be great, to be honest. Um, I say, or my apartment is just across Trent Bridge, and there's massive yeah. banners all the way around Trent Bridge um, advertising the, the Ashes. And I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be a packed stadium um, and it's going to be a really, really good contest. It's hard to say who I think is going to win. I think both sides are really good, but I'm probably going to go with the Aussies <laughs> because they just always win. England's been a really good side of late in the last couple of months. They've just changed, I think, women's cricket in general. I think mm. they're kind of, the way they go about cricket at the moment is just insane. So I think they're going to give the Aussies a real good run for their money. And will you have the opportunity to go to the test match if you're, you're right there? Um, I think so. Um, obviously, yeah, if, if we have nothing at that stage um, and I'm going to be on this side, then definitely it might pop in for one of the days or I think cause they are playing at Trent Bridge. So it's just literally across the road. So I might head over and and see what happens. Yeah, and then you've got a test match of your own to look forward to, right? South Africa head off to Australia next year to play a, a single test match and obviously uh, the three white ball, three ODIs, three T20s. Before that, you're going to be travelling to Pakistan. You'll be playing against them. Just what are you looking forward to? I know you've said you want more cricket, but there is some very interesting cricket coming up. And, and how do you look forward to that? Yeah, I think I, I can't wait to, you know, just to represent South Africa. And I think like we we were so hyped up at the World Cup. And like I said, it was it was such an amazing experience. And, and we had so much fun, but we haven't played for South Africa ever since. Mm. And I mean, it's, it's been quite a while. It's been probably four or five months ago that we played in the World Cup. And we haven't had the opportunity to put the, the green and gold jersey on again. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, just getting out there again and, and play some international cricket. Uh, I think we have quite a busy schedule, obviously, uh, like you mentioned, with the Pakistan and then obviously playing the test in the one test match against the Aussies. That's going to be quite interesting as well, um, playing at the WACA. But it's just a really exciting time to look forward to. Um, for now, obviously, I have a few more games left here with the Blaze. So really excited for what's coming for this team. Uh, the team's been doing really well and hopefully we can continue with that and yeah, like I said, take some confidence from whatever I achieve personally here and as well as a team and, and take that into whenever our next international series is. But can't wait for the international summer or winter or whatever you want to call it to start. <laughs> I think it's going yeah. to be really great. You mentioned wanting that test match so much. And I really want to ask you about that because in my mind, you know, the, the women don't play a lot of Red Bull cricket at all. You don't practice with it domestically. Um you know, is it kind of fair to go and then play a test match, which is, I know it's still cricket, but it's like completely out of what you are used to. Why do you want to play it? And, and do you feel like you are prepared and, and adequately ready for test cricket? Yeah, that's, that's the tough part. I think, first of all, obviously, prepping for test match is completely different. I think from a conditioning point of view, um, from a, you know, a loads point of view with bowling mm -hmm. and stuff, it's completely different to what, and if you've never played it before, 
um, it's going to be quite hard. It's going to be taxing on your body. It's something you need to prep for, which I I feel with maybe because we weren't quite sure how it works and what to do and, and all of that against England when we played them. So we were a bit like headless chickens out there because we, <laughs> we weren't quite sure. But that's, that's the nice thing about it as well because you learn from that. We've played mm. them. We didn't lose against them, which was great. Um, it was a draw at the end, and I think we played some. I think we played some pretty decent cricket for for a team who has never played this. I mean, we had eleven debut or ten debutants <laughs> in that test match. So, I mean, we played basically with a whole new squad who's, who's never mm. played. I think Kapi was the only one who's played test cricket before. Uh, I definitely think prep should be changed accordingly. I think, obviously, like I mentioned, with your body and stuff, it was it was quite hard on the bodies. I'm not gonna lie, it was. It was really tough, you know, getting out of bed the next day, bowling 14 or 16 overs in a day and getting through all of that. And then still being all around, you still have to bat as well. Uh, you have to be up and down in the field. So you have to kind of change the way you train. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we do that with the Aussie test. I do think it's quite hard that we get to play England and Australia in a test match. <laughs> Who's playing, I don't know, the Ashes every now and again. Yeah, and yeah. they do play test matches more often. We've never played test cricket and then our first test, or oh, we've played India way back. Our first test in 10 years, we get England. And then the next one we get is Australia. And they've played like 15, 20 tests and we've played one. So, But it's okay because you want to compete against the best in the world. So if you want to learn your trade and, and figure out how test cricket works, it's probably the best to do it against a team like Australia and England because they've done it quite a few times. So, which makes the challenge really good, I guess. Some great insight there. And you both spoke a bit about women's tests, which, as you mentioned before, it's particularly poignant given we've got a women's Ashes series starting here in a couple of weeks' time. Now, women's tests aren't played that often, as we know, and as a result carry, you know, some unique issues and challenges. And, and when they are played, it's generally between a select few nations. I understand you're writing a piece on this, which is going to be on site pretty soon. Um, what's your take on women's tests and, you know, what's the solution to some of these challenges? Play more, play fewer, play not at all. What, what's your, your take on it? Look, I guess in theory, the idea of women playing test cricket is something that we'd all want. And it puts them on a level playing field with men. It creates the same kind of opportunities in terms of format, in terms of the complications and the strategies and the training that come with really what everybody says is the highest format of the game. So in theory, I would say, of course, they've got to play and of course it should be supported. But just when you look at the evidence of, first of all, the training regimes and the fact that women don't really practice domestic cricket in the same way as a test match works. So we're not getting two innings cricket or even time cricket, you know, even if that's on one day, for example, we're not getting practice with the red ball. As Nadine was saying, not getting to bowl very long spells. You know, we're talking 14, 16 overs in a day, fielding all day, maybe still having to contribute with the bat. All of those are skills that take a lot of time to build into the athlete system. And so I think if you're not doing that domestically, then I'm not sure it's fair on, on the body to have to go and do that uh, on an international level, even if it's, you know, once every now and then. And I think a good comparison might be with women's football. It's been so interesting with especially the England women's football team. They've been getting a lot of ACL injuries. And one of the reasons that I've heard that they say this is becoming more prevalent is because the demands on their bodies now with playing league competitions, cup competitions, international competitions have just increased exponentially. And then they don't have 
the same medical resources as some of the men's teams do. So they're not getting that one-on-one -on -one treatment all the time. And so this combination of so much game time and maybe not enough medical support is resulting in an increase in injuries. And I, I mean, women's tests are not played as, so often that we're going to see something like that happen. But it's a potential danger. And then also, I just don't know if the stats support this format being played. So Australia and England have played 35% of all women's tests. Countries like Sri Lanka and West Indies and New Zealand haven't played a test for almost 20 years, Sri Lanka for more than 20 years. And almost two out of every three tests in the women's game is a draw, which could be exciting in theory, but you know, I'm not sure if that's ideally what people want to see in the baseball era, in the result-driven era. So I guess maybe there's a strong argument to be made for, are we just paying lip service to women's cricket by sort of giving them this test every now and then and saying, there you go, play and enjoy yourselves kind of thing. And, and if so, is there something we should do about it? But I mean, you're right there. You're about to go and cover an actual women's test, which I've not done in my career. Uh, maybe you feel differently about it. Maybe you feel like uh, women have got to play. Yeah, look, I think on the on the flip side of all, all of that, I mean, that is an interesting point about the injuries and the volume of play, because yes, you're right, we're not going to see an explosion in the number of women's tests played, but we are seeing a, an, an explosion of the amount of women's cricket being played with the introduction of these franchise leagues and so on. So the schedule is going to get more and more you know, squeezed, um, as we've already seen, you know, relentlessly with the men and sort of then trying to shoehorn test matches in amongst that is going to be even harder. And then, like you say, it's a valid question. If if they're not wanted, then, you know, what would be the point of doing that? However, you speak to some players and, you know, they want to play the test format and maybe that's coming from those that get to do it. Maybe, maybe it's a generational thing. I mean, I've had the argument thrown at me that oh you know you ask the young players and you know they're not that interested but I think if you if you give these players a chance to play for their country they're gonna jump at it whatever format you know so it, it can be an element of that and then you've got as you mentioned the the Ashes coming up they've sold 11,000 tickets already for the Ashes test alone um, which we you know which is pretty good and Overall, they've sold some 70,000 tickets for the entire international, uh, sorry, the entire Ashes series, which, as we know, is multi-format. But that's in comparison to 32,000 in the 2019 Ashes. So it really is growing exponentially, this interest in women's cricket. And I think, you know, tests can be, uh, you know, a, a part of that and, and, you know, perhaps should be. If they want to play, let them. If they don't and, you know, and it peters out as a format, well, so be it. But that said... I guess, too, it expands that divide because, you, as you mentioned, you know, there are countries that haven't played this format in, you know, a couple of decades. You've got the countries that can afford to put these on and, and you know, and play it, and then you're going to have those that can't and don't have the resources and don't have the domestic structure underneath to even, you know, be able to do it. So it, if we do focus on tests more, which I don't I don't think it's going to happen, I think, it, you know, the focus is on T20s uh, for the women in terms of the growth area for the sport. Uh, but if you were to focus more on tests, it's going to increase that divide between the haves and the have-nots in terms of financials for, for the countries. Absolutely. And then it will end up being exactly the same argument that we've got in, in the men's game. And I think another of the interesting points that, that was raised about you know playing tests is also about countries then like South Africa who hadn't played a test for almost 10 years before they played that test against England last year. So it was 2014 that they played India. Only Marizan Cup was capped at that stage. And uh, she went on and actually 
tore up some record books there with with 150, which was uh, pretty spectacular. But no one else really had any clue about what to do. I think Nadine said that we were like headless chickens, which is, you know, never a good thing to be. And then they got really good opposition in England and South Africa will head off to Australia in February where they will then play Australia in a test match. And there's kind of like playing these big countries in this very intimidating format and and really wanting to prove yourself and do well and show that you can compete at that level. I think India are scheduled to play a couple of tests in the most recent FTP we've got. But countries like New Zealand, who are right up there in the early days playing tests, they don't have any set scheduled. They even had a test match with the Netherlands. So, you know, you've even had countries coming from who don't play men's test cricket and uh, just the one test that they played in. It's an interesting way of seeing how things develop. I, as you say, it's definitely not the, the future of the women's game. It's probably a little bit of a, of a one-off spectacle, something quite nice to have, novelty value to add to a series. But hey, 11,000 people, that is no mean feat. And it's 11,000 people at the moment. Maybe more tickets will be sold. Uh, we don't get 11,000 people coming to see men's tests in many, many parts of the country. So I think that's pretty amazing and pretty spectacular. And I feel for those 11,000 people who are not going to see Meg Lanning because unfortunately she has withdrawn from the entire tour. So, I mean, you're on the ground. I don't know how much uh, we know about it there, but uh, disappointing, isn't it, Vox? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, what we know is uh, Meg Lanning's out for medical reasons. Um, that Cricket Australia have said it's not related to the break that she took from the game last year. Um, but yeah, she she's out all the same, which means that Elisa Healy will step up into the captaincy as she did um, in India last year when Lanning was out with um, Talia McGrath as her vice captain. Um, yeah, this it, yeah it is disappointing not to to see her, but um, I guess you've got to back the Australians to be able to manage. Uh, they had to do it last year and they, they did manage to do it. It's interesting with um, Healy there because she's expressed a desire to drop down the batting order uh, given the demands, particularly in the test match, last ashes in Australia are uh, of keeping and opening. So uh, it, it means possibly a bit of a, a shake-up at the top of their order. Um, Beth Mooney opened with Phoebe Litchfield uh, in the one-day series against Pakistan uh, earlier this year when Healy was injured. So they have got, you know, a little bit of experience there. Um, you know, Litchfield's, you know, she's, she's only 20 and she's only played sort of five international matches, but she's seen as someone who can step into that, that area. And I guess, too, we always talk about Australia's depth. And, you know, when, when one player doesn't perform, then they've got, you know, 10 more that, that can. So you'd, you'd back them to be able to, one, have the depth to fill uh, the void left by landing, given that, you know, they have done it before. Um, and also, too, just that mental fortitude that they have the ability. To, I mean, they they admitted uh, that they were rattled uh, was the word that was used by uh, Lanning um, having to pull out of the ashes. So it, it did take a, a toll. And, you know, uh, I think Elisa um, Healy and Shelley Nitschke spoke about it being, you know, a bit of an emotional time uh, when that news came through. But um, you do have to sort of back that team to compartmentalise that, park that and sort of say, look, well, you know, we've got a job to do with with this setback and, and let's get on with it. Um, yeah, we've seen them do it time and again. And, and I, I, I think that they, they should be able to cover. I was quite surprised, to be honest, to see them use such strongly emotive language to describe this, I suppose, disruption, we can call it, 
to the team. I didn't expect them to use the word rattled and almost to admit to being a little bit taken aback and surprised and, and in some ways disrupted by what was going on. So that's an interesting one because we don't often see Australian teams using language like that. And I wonder whether that word in particular will be something that England will be thinking about. Uh, they're yet to announce their squad. Uh, it's probably coming quite soon. And I mean, they'll be without one or two. Well, especially Catherine Silverbrand, who for the test match, I think is interesting because she's right up there with the players who've played a significant number of tests. So I was looking into that and kind of thinking about, you know, who gets capped a lot in, in women's tests. And of course, you know, for countries who play once every 10 years, you know, you might get one or two test caps if, if you're a part of a, a team like that, and that's it. But Catherine Silverbrand's got 14, which is actually quite a lot in the, for women's cricket. Uh, so I know that they were expecting to be without her. But what are you expecting as the squad announcement uh, comes up? And any surprises, anything we can look forward to? Yeah, that's really interesting. And and as you say, they did uh, manage without Catherine Silverbrand last year against South Africa. But, you know, yeah, now we're, we're in an in an Ashes series and without her and as you say that wealth of experience she has is no longer there so just looking at the side that uh, played against South Africa last summer here I reckon it looks like they'll generally be the same um, Emma Lamb scoring runs in uh, domestic cricket at the minute as is Tammy Beaumont they open the batting um, then you've got you know, Heather Knight Nat Silverbrand who you know scored I think it was 159 um, in that test last year against South Africa Sevier Dunkley uh, Amy Jones is making runs in domestic cricket here so they you know their, their batting order looks well set unless they decide to throw in a, a surprise here and there because there are some other players who are making some runs domestically so whether they want to look further afield but there aren't any major reasons to to change that up it is in the bowling that there you know that there, there might be a little bit of, of less depth um as you mentioned Catherine Silverbrunt but they went without her last year Kate Cross is recovering from an illness um so she I mean will hopefully be okay she has been playing domestically the last couple of games so um, hopefully she's on the mend uh, for them. And then you've got uh, Izzy Wong and Lauren Bell, who made their debuts against South Africa last summer. So they're there and Sophie Eccleston, the spinner. So um, it, it may be one pace bowler uh, that they might be looking for. Um, but, you know, if, if Wong and Bell are fit, and then you've got obviously Natsi Verbrunt, who can, um, can come in first change as well. Um, Freya Kemp, who's the other um, sort of pace bowler um, that was sort of blooded last year in the shorter formats, um, she suffered a stress fracture in her back in December. Um, so she has just come back the last three domestic games playing as a batter only. Um, and when I asked the ECB about her progress uh, last week, actually, uh, they said Freya's progressing well in her rehabilitation from that stress fracture to her back. She's been training incredibly hard physically and is now returning to playing domestic cricket as a batter. Uh, Freya's incredibly talented and we look forward to welcoming her back into international cricket when she's ready for the challenges that it presents. So that, I don't know, to me, reading between the lines suggests that she's not quite ready yet. She has only played three domestic matches 
uh, since coming back. So, and, you know, particularly with the test, I mean, I don't think, you know, she would be able to, um, to you know, get through the, the rigours of a, a five-day test, uh, not to mention, um, given that she's coming back from quite a significant injury. So I think it may be later in the series, if not a little bit later in the summer, that we see her back for England. Yeah, but generally it sounds like uh, England have got a nice settled squad and also that everybody's had a little bit of game time because the domestic competition's been going on for a good couple of weeks. I wonder if we could have a little roundup of that. I mean, I know Nadine de Klerk has been right up there, currently the leading wicket-taker in the Charlotte Edwards Cup and getting ready for that finals day this weekend. It's something we really envy down here in the Southern Hemisphere where we look up at the kind of festivity and the, the carnival atmosphere that you guys have on on days like that, uh, it seems like a really special thing to be part of. And I know Nadine was very excited, uh, you know, in anticipation of what may happen uh, for her and for, for that day in particular. But other than that, anyone who stood out for you in the, the domestic uh, circuit so far? And are you going to be there on the weekend? Are you going to be um, celebrating? Oh, that, that, you've already pulled a face that's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> It's only because I feel bad. I'm unfortunately not going to be there. I think we will have someone there, but uh, I unfortunately can't make it um, this weekend. But I, yeah, I pulled a face because I'm disappointed because it will be such a good atmosphere. I think that, yeah, that I think I like having the finals day. It's a real sort of, you know, carnival type, you know, approach to doing it and also too the competition is still alive for the last two places so the last round of matches on Wednesday is going to be extremely uh, important um, for the sides vying to get there so it's really great to see it going down to the wire. Yeah so in terms of uh, domestic uh, performances with the bat we've got um, Holly Armitage and Bryony Smith they are uh, the top two leading run scorers in the competition at the moment um, so you know they're travelling really well and then behind them as I mentioned earlier in terms of test selection, um, Emma Lamb pushing her case, having opened last year. And then we sort of get largely into the, the England players then who are probably sort of playing themselves into a little bit of form, a little bit of touch. Uh, that said, I mean, they generally had it um, from the start of the competition. That's a good run. Tammy Beaumont, I mentioned earlier, Amy Jones. So, yeah, it's sort of some pretty familiar names up there um, with the exception of, of the, the two at the top. And then um, in terms of the bowling, um, you've got Katie Levick, uh, the spinner there she's right behind Nadine de Klerk uh, in terms of leading wicket takers uh, and Grace Hall as well uh, she she's up there too so there's been some some pretty nice performances there with the ball and what's interesting too is that the competition for the last two places on final state is still alive so this last round of matches on Wednesday is going to be really really interesting because you know it, it's all on the line for the teams that want to get there. That's exactly what you want as a, a big competition comes to a close. Some fierce, I guess, challenging for spots on that final day. Very exciting weekend coming up. And of course, a big month and a big few weeks coming up with uh, the women's ashes kicking off soon. So we'll be back with all that news and all the analysis around that very soon.